the Physiatry Podcast, where we talk about physical medicine, rehabilitation, pain management, traumatic brain injury, spinal cord injury, and other topics. Today, our topic is prostate cancer. This is your host, Dr. Avinash Ramchandani. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. This is your host, Dr. Avinash Ramchandani. I hope you've had a great week. I've moved back into our house, and I have my regular studio today, so I'm very excited to give you this new podcast about prostate cancer. Let's start with the statistics on prostate cancer. In the world, there are 1.6 million cases of prostate cancer, 366,000 deaths annually, which sounds like a lot, but the overall survival rate of prostate cancer is about 98% over five years. Now, 11% of men in the United States are diagnosed with prostate cancer at some point in their lifetime, and the incidence generally rises with age. There is an estimated 165,000 cases and 29,000 deaths annually of prostate cancer here in the United States. Now, how do people present with prostate cancer? How, what do people feel? What things happen? We do a lot of screening for prostate cancer, and this is where prostate cancer actually comes up for many patients, and that's why our survival rate is so good. Now, clinical manifestations of prostate cancer are frequently absent at the time of diagnostic, meaning that patients usually don't feel anything, and the, when they have a screen for prostate cancer, they have very microscopic, well-differentiated tumor that doesn't become clinically significant. And what happens at that point is that patients have really localized cancer. So the way we screen prostate cancer for patients usually above the age of 50 is we do what's called a digital rectal examination. This is where, yes, a physician puts a finger into the rectum of the patient to check the size of the prostate. This is usually not recommended as a routine screening for evaluation of the prostate rectal area in the absence of symptoms. However, when an abnormality is subjective of prostate cancer on digital rectal examination, further evaluation is warranted. So the other thing that we do as physicians is do what's called a PSA test. And I do this as well for patients when I am trying to prescribe testosterone. And the reason why I prescribe testosterone is because many patients that have opioids or take pain medicine can actually have a lower testosterone level. So that's why we prescribe testosterone. I check a PSA for the reason that if you give testosterone or you're taking testosterone, it can increase your PSA level and make you more susceptible to prostate cancer. Therefore, it's very important to check a PSA if you are checking a testosterone or taking testosterone. Now, there are differential diagnoses as far as prostate cancer. You can also see things like BPH or benign prostate hyperplasia, which is one of the more commonly thing with prostate cancer or what can also be going on with lower urinary tract symptoms such as frequency, urgency, nocturia, and hesitancy where men tend to go to the bathroom much more often when they are having BPH or their prostate is enlarged. And therefore, it is really important to evaluate those patients that are going to the bathroom quite often. 
Now, on digital rectal examination for these patients, they actually have some firmness and enlargement of the prostate. And when patients have cancer, it is more isolated to one side or the other, and it's bumpy rather than being one full prostate. In any case, the digital rectal examination may may evaluate and the PSA may give the physician more more of an idea of what to look for and if they want to do what's called a biopsy. And the biopsy is a test where they actually stick a needle into the bio, into the prostate and check whether the patient has cancer and the pathologist will give us that answer soon enough after a biopsy. In prostate cancer, as well as any cancer, there are actually four stages of cancer. And I think it's very important to clarify what this means. You know, when we talk about patients with metastatic cancer or stage four cancer, it's very important to think about how we grade these tumors and how we grade cancer. So when we talk about stage one cancer, that means that the cancer is very localized. It's in the area of the tissue that is actually affected. So someone with prostate cancer and stage one cancer is really within the prostate cancer. T2, and and there can be T1A, T1B, or stage 1A, stage 1B, stage 1C, depending on how big it is at that level. Now, there are also what's called stage 2 lesions, which is a little bit bigger than stage 1, where it is actually involved in the surrounding tissues. And T3, or stage 3 lesions, actually go through the surrounding tissues through the outside of the prostate, but it's still localized in that area. And this goes for any type of cancer where we have stage one, which is really localized, stage two, which is still localized, but a little bit bigger than that. Stage three is where it goes beyond the area and technically has gone through that area, but has not what's called metastasized. And stage four is metastatic cancer. And metastatic cancer means it's gone to tissues that are far away or away or away from that area although overall survival rate for five years of prostate cancer is pretty high again 98 percent depending on the the size of the tumor the spread of the tumor and the type of tumor which can be different and i'm not going to get into that because that's extremely complicated but you can actually have a much lower survival rate for five years depending on that and that's why our screening tests have gone up and that we do so much screening for prostate cancer because it is so prevalent in the society of 11 percent is pretty high for any sort of cancer So again, prostate cancer is the second most common cancer in men worldwide with 358,000 deaths. And that is according to the World Health Organization. Now, what things can you do to prevent from getting prostate cancer? One of the things is not to get older. As you get older, the chances of getting prostate cancer goes up. And it is really dependent on how old you are. 81 to 90 year old men have about a 50% chance of having prostate cancer if patients are that old. This is based on biopsies of patients that have passed away. They have just checked prostates and they've gotten about 50% of patients with prostate cancer. Now, in African Americans, the prevalence of prostate cancer is much higher than in 
whites and Asian Americans. In African Americans, it's about 1.6 times the amount of white Americans. And in Asian Americans, it's about 0.7 times or 30% less than white Americans, which is interesting to think about that genetics may have something to do with it, or maybe even the dietary factors may have something to do with it. Poor health literacy has been implicated as a factor for advanced stage at presentation where patients don't really have very good health care and they end up with much worse prostate cancer when they are diagnosed. And it's interesting to see that, again, we see that a race prevalence for a very bad disease like prostate cancer, like COVID-19 and the amount of people that die with COVID-19 and the amount of people that die with prostate cancer, again, are higher in the less advantaged populations. There is also a family component of prostate cancer. So men with a family history of prostate cancer on either side of the family, particularly those with a first-degree relative diagnosed with age below 65, are at increased risk of prostate cancer. It is also the same case with a mother with breast cancer or male breast cancer, colorectal cancer, ovarian cancer, pancreatic cancer, or melanoma may also increase the risk of prostate cancer. Men with a family history of breast cancer also at higher risk of prostate cancer. And it's interesting, there are some rare what's called deleterious genes or bad genes that disrupt the function of a known gene that can cause the increase in issues with prostate cancer. There is something about diet and prostate cancer. The more animal fat that patients eat can actually increase the amount of prostate cancer risk. Vegetables actually can decrease the amount of prostate cancer risk. Tomato-based products and lycopene can decrease the amount of prostate cancer risk. And the reason for that is mostly because they they are potent antioxidants. Phytoestrogens that have estrogen-like activity are common in things like soy, and these can actually reduce prostate cancer risk. It is sort of a study that showed a risk estimate of 0.7 or uh, 30% less than patients that don't take soy. So omega-3 fatty oils can actually decrease prostate cancer as well, although these studies were not very, very good and they are not definitive. So let's talk about alcohol. Alcohol showed that there are is no actual relationship between prostate cancer and alcohol intake. This was done in 2001. There are some other studies that also showed that, although there was a more recent study that showed that there is a lower risk of lethal prostate cancer with patients that had alcohol consumption by a little bit. Coffee may actually decrease the risk of lethal prostate cancer, uh, which is defined as fatal or metastatic. And the relative risk rate is 0.44 for those drinking six or more cups of coffee per day. I think that drinking less than that's probably what most of us do. Vitamins. Regular use of multivitamins does not affect the 
risk of earlier localized prostate cancer, but there are two reports that show an increased risk of advanced or fatal prostate cancer in men using relatively high amounts of multivitamins. Again, these were only two studies. High serum folic acid or B12 may also increase the risk of prostate cancer. Now, high serum folic acid and B12 may reduce the risk for other things, so it's important to remember that. Selenium and vitamin E, the relationship between prostate cancer, selenium intake and level is complex, meaning that it depends on the on the amount of blood in or amount of selenium in the blood or selenium in the nails or how they evaluate that zinc supplement use has an increased risk of prostate cancer calcium and vitamin d may also have an increase or in a link between an increase in intake of dairy products and calcium and a higher risk of prostate cancer may be possible so all these different things are can be very variable as far as how they affect prostate cancer. And the risk ratios on all these are very, very low compared to if you just think about, okay, how many people actually have prostate cancer? 11%. So we may also be not controlling for race and age and things like that well enough to actually figure this out. Now, there is one thing that definitely increases the risk of prostate cancer, that is cigarette smoking. There is consistent data on this, and the risk of cigarette smoking and prostate cancer is about 150% or 160% higher if someone is smoking compared to someone that is not smoking. Current smokers are at higher risk for metastasis about 250% times and prostate cancer specific mortality. There is another thing that may also increase the risk of prostate cancer and what that is is obesity. There is a small but statistically significant association between obesity and prostate cancer incidence. So people that are heavier may have an increase in prostate cancer. And there is a clear relationship between obesity and disease aggressiveness. When patients are obese, prostate cancer is usually more aggressive and can cause more death. Also, physical activity may decrease the amount of prostate cancer. There is not any evidence that incidence is actually decreased, but the amount of death from prostate cancer is decreased when someone is physically active. And this was a large study done of 47,620 United States health professionals followed from 1986 to 2000. There was no actually decrease in the overall prostate cancer incidence, but the men after the age of 65 who were in the highest category of vigorous activity had a significantly lower risk of advanced prostate cancer. So there are other things that may decrease the chance of prostate cancer, including the fact that you can have infections in the prostate that may actually increase the risk of prostate cancer, as well as exposure to things like one agent orange which was exposure in vietnam for many patients and agent orange may be similar to something like roundup that can cause prostate cancer there are other things like bisphenol a which was in a lot of plastics and 
uh, time period, and they're still widely pre- present in the environment. In vitro studies in animal models have demonstrated that bisphenol A has significant in, uh, estrogenic effects on human prostate stem cells, and this actually can cause an increase in prostate cancer, although there has not been any study that's done that showed evidence of this. There is a decreased risk of prostate cancer in patients with a history of usage of NSAIDs and aspirin. In summary, prostate cancer is pretty common. It's 11% of men can have prostate cancer. As they get older, it becomes more and more common. And being healthy and eating a good diet and having some coffee may help prevent prostate cancer from ever happening to you. But remember, it's still 11% chance of getting it, and there is a 90%, 98% chance that patients that get diagnosed with prostate cancer will be living in the next five years. So you have a pretty good chance there. And now I'm gonna talk briefly about the good news of the week. So today's good news is about the World Food Program, which who won the award, the 2020 Nobel Peace Prize, awarded to the world's largest humanitarian organization that feeds the hungry. This is called the World Food Program. In the United Nations, World Food Program provided assistance to close to 100 million people in 88 countries. 100 million people, that's a fourth of the United States population. These are victims of the acute food insecurity and hunger, most of them who suffered because of war and armed conflict. And these people won the Nobel Peace Prize. And the Nobel Peace Prize will give them money to continue their project. And that is fantastic. I salute to the work of the World Food Program and congratulate them to this honor of winning the Nobel Peace Prize. And that's the end of today's podcast. This is your host, Dr. Abhinash Ramchandani. Have a good weekend. We will see you here either next week or the week after. Send me an email at info at painlessannex.com if you have any questions or want a topic discussed. 